and welcome to TV Watch, a podcast from Digital TV Europe, looking at the biggest news and trends in the worlds of broadcasting, streaming and everything else to do with the TV industry in Europe and further afield. I'm Jonathan Easton, Deputy Editor of Digital TV Europe, and on today's show, I speak with Omdia analysts Steve Bailey and George Gigiashvili about Netflix and its gaming ambitions. While not quite hitting the heights of the stay-at-home 2020, Netflix has, all things considered, had a solid 2021. We don't have the year-end figures, but for the end of Q3, the streamer had 214 million paid subscribers worldwide. And you may have noticed a few viral hits making the round in recent months. But seemingly unsatisfied with just being at the top of the video streaming tree, the company is increasingly turning its attention to other forms of entertainment chiefly video games. In recent months, Netflix has made some high-profile moves in the space with key hires and the integration of games into its mobile app, although that's a very much a nascent aspect of its platform. Joining me now to discuss the company's developments and whether it will go on to become a major gaming player are Steve Bailey, Senior Principal Video Games Analyst and Principal Analyst for Games, George Gigiashvili, both of Omdia. Do you want to start off by just introducing yourselves and what your focus is within looking at games? My name is Steve Bailey. Uh, I am principal analyst with the games team here at Omdia. I've been an analyst now for about 14 years. And my job basically covers all aspects of the games industry with a focus on console. And most recently, leading a report about the games uh, of Netflix as we called it. Hi, my name is George Sijashvili. I'm a principal analyst here at Omdia. And uh, the key focus areas for me within games has been cloud gaming, subscription gaming, AR, VR, and so on. I've been an analyst for eight years. I cover kind of many different areas of gaming with those specific folks. Maybe for the, for the uninformed of our listeners, what's going on with Netflix and video games and why should our listeners be interested? I say this because it's commonplace for media giants to have video game divisions, Warner Brothers mm-hmm. being probably the most noteworthy in 2021, Disney have produced you know, historically licensed games for consoles and things like that. So what, yeah. mo- what makes what Netflix is doing so different? So what motivated this this coverage, this report, was the fact that Netflix was deepening its involvement in games. And the tack of our report is about the fact that Netflix has been a games company for quite some time. As you point out, many, many of these uh, media companies are actually already games companies. And a lot of the um, the coverage this year is talking about Netflix getting into games, but they were already in games in various ways. But they are deepening that commitment in a significant way. If we think back to 2019, when the world was very different from <laughs> where it is now. That's where I went to Gamescom in Cologne. Uh, and that's when I first met George, after our companies merged. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Gamescom is this massive consumer event that takes place in Germany. And Netflix had a huge stall there. Just a big, one of the biggest stalls on the floor for consumers was by Netflix. Because back then, it understood that you know, that a huge part of his audience was in overlap with, with gamers, essentially with video games. And we've been talking about doing this report ever since, but it was only really this year when um, the Ferrari around Netflix, the attention around Netflix really started taking off again, that we got round to it. So before this year, there were six ways that Netflix was involved in games already. It licenses IP from the games world, 
So something like The Witcher, for example, or Resident Evil, it also licenses IP to the games world to make games. So you have external studios making uh, a game based on Stranger Things 3. Then you have various promotional events, crossover events like Stranger Things portals appearing in Fortnite. There's interactive video experiences on Netflix, like Bandersnatch being obviously the, the most well-known, but also Minecraft Story Mode and a couple of others. As mentioned, there is visibility at major consumer events and also availability on all major HD consoles. So particularly PlayStation and Xbox. For the past two generations, you've had Netflix as one of the most popular video apps on those machines. You mentioned there that there's been a a huge uptick in interest in Netflix's involvement in the space. What's happened more recently then that has led to, you know, this uh, talk? So there's been some high-profile hiring happening, the company, bringing on people um, to, to, to be the head of the games initiative, uh, essentially. There was lots of kind of guesswork around how Netflix would get further into games. Like, is it going to buy a massive game studio? Is it going to buy a giant publisher? And we think it's always going to be gradual. Uh, it's because getting into games at the best of times is expensive, difficult, and uh, might not pay off at all. So for a company like Netflix, like the, the explorations could be gradual, and they've now made it a formal part of their platform. They've said games are going to be part of the Netflix platform now in a way that they just haven't been before. And primarily that's going to be on mobile, I think, isn't it, George? Yeah. Yes, mobile, isn't it? Yeah, and I definitely want to talk about that. But with regards to what it's been doing recently mm-hmm. is the acquisition of a game studio, Night School Studio, and that's an interesting one. Oxen Free was the game, Oxen and it's kind of like yeah, an, and they like also made like an interactive experience around uh, Mr. Robot as well, which fits in really nicely again with uh, kind of what Netflix could do in the future. And yeah, as Steve suggested, kind of mobile uh, is something that they're currently testing. So the idea of essentially adding some elements of gaming, mobile gaming, within the Netflix app. But currently, they are only just testing it. It's clear that they don't want to rush it. They want to just explore what the options are and try them out gradually. So uh, literally a few weeks ago, they rolled out this test to a few countries, including Poland and Italy. And essentially what it does is adds, in those countries, if you remember there, it adds a new tab called gaming. And then you see only about three or four games, uh, which is basically the... um, like three very basic kind of casual games. And one of them is, of course, the uh, Stranger Things game that Steve mentioned. At the moment, uh, it's the, the experience is kind of very broken up. So in that list, when you, when you tap on one of the games, then it takes you to the App Store. Then you have to download the app from the App Store. Then you have to open the app, log in with your Netflix cred- credentials, because you won't be able to play that game unless you're a, you're a subscriber to Netflix. <laughs> And then finally, you can mm. play the game. So uh, nice and easy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <exactly. laughs> um, so one way which we think Netflix uh, will deepen its role in gaming is through use of cloud gaming. So kind of cutting out those steps by bringing gaming experiences directly into the app itself. And uh, we explored that in a report. And kind of one of the suggestions that we made is that if they go, you know, and what 
And one reason why we don't think they're going to go down a AAA kind of console gaming route is because they, they need to invest a lot in infrastructure and uh, you need very specific hardware and servers to run those games. However, if you just want to deliver some casual games, more like mobile games, you can actually do that through AWS, Amazon Web Services, which which Netflix obviously already uses. So what they can do is essentially deliver those games uh, directly to your device and your device can render the game straight in within the app, essentially within the confines of the app. So you can do that either on your mobile or on your uh, on your TV, on your co- or PC, console, whatever, potentially, obviously. This is just me speculating on what will happen. And one of the predictions that I'm making is that next year, we'll, Netflix will dip its toes in cloud gaming this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that point about the, the hurdles there is very, very important about the, the extent of integration of what can happen with the platform. Because when you use Netflix, you have expectations of it being the same experience wherever it goes, the same content wherever you take it, that is the Netflix platform and your experience of it. But games, because of of, of how closely tied they are to a control scheme or, or a distribution platform, make things a lot more difficult and cloud could possibly go some way to solving that, as George mentions. Yeah, that was going to be a, a question I had <laughs> to do with the whole kind of input method because at the moment uh the interactive movie kind of format of bandersnatch of of there's a kimmy schmidt one that sort of thing works fine lean Mm -hmm. back with a tv remote that you know if you're having anything more involved than that it's (laughs) not going to really work is it yeah so there's there's certain categories of games that fit well with a simple uh, kind of universal control scheme. So so kind of video, interactive video, as we call it, like Bandersnatch, where you just simply choose, you know, does a card go left, does a card go right with your remote control? That works fine. And that can extend to a lot of, say, simple adventure games, simple casual games, audience participation games. So quizzes. on PlayStation. What's, what's that, quizzes? Quizzes. Oh, quiz, like, yeah, exactly, like quiz kind of. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so on PlayStation, there was a, a collection of games where you would use your mobile as a controller, essentially, mm-hmm. and you would just vote on stuff that was happening. Uh, and that, that kind of thing could translate very, very easily. But yeah, there is a fundamental challenge here, which is people think you just add games to a platform and that's it. It's just, it's just like you just sell the tape it on uh, and the games are there and, and they make you money. But there's a huge challenge in terms of, of integration. This is why consoles are still around and still so popular because they, they're machines built specifically for gaming, really involved gaming. Now, the example I like to talk about is connected televisions and smart televisions 10 years ago, which were said to be console killers. Things like Apple TV, for example, connected TV devices um, and, and the Fire Stick and so on. These added games. They brought games into the kind of the TV ecosystem. So on your television, you could watch TV and then you could play some games. Um, this struggled to take off. This never really went anywhere. Um, and the reason for that is because there are issues with the standards around how these televisions worked as games platforms. So what we mentioned there about a unified input system. Um, these smart TVs, these connected devices, they had maybe big audiences, but in terms of control input, there was nothing common there, nothing universal and nothing well-designed for games either. Well, you mentioned about Apple TV there because Mm. Apple has Apple Arcade now, uh, which is a couple of years old. Mm. And 
Apple TV is a part of that. And if you've yeah. got, you know, a PlayStation Xbox controller connected to your Apple TV yeah. via Bluetooth, yes. you can play those games on there. Mm-hmm. But that seems very much as though it's still quite a niche thing. It, it, it is. And these are games typically not designed for controllers. They're designed for touchscreens. You know, so it's it's that lack of standards. So 10 years ago, when people were talking about TVs and connected devices like Apple TV becoming huge parts of the gaming ecosystem, there were massive barriers in terms of controls, in terms of middleware, and in terms of value chain elements like payment and billing. You know, uh, when you've got your, your phone, your, your payment is integrated very, very deeply into that. But compared to how integration might happen for a smart TV and games on a smart TV. It was just, you know, a generation behind it was. And the same, I think, applies to Netflix these days. It's just that you have a non-games platform, which does certain things very, very well. But those things then mean you can't do game things very well. I am. I was actually just today trying one of those, one of these cloud gaming platforms, which are very similar to Jackbox Jackbox party games. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. have played that. Essentially, you use one uh, one monitor or one TV as uh, as this is the main kind of display, and then a little code comes up. Everybody inputs that code into their phone, usually in a browser or a dedicated app, and then everyone in a room, like a family, they all essentially jump into the same game, and then their, their phones become their controllers. And there are services like this already out there. I've tried them and it works really surprisingly, really, really well. So kind of the case is kind of having proven that you know this you know, can work and does work. Um, so, and, and that's another thing why, that, that's one of the things I think that Netflix will try to do next year, at least in a testing format. So you mentioned there, Steve, a short while ago about it being an additional monetization kind of route. The kind of the main thing we see with mobile games these days is the focus, you know, on the the gacha kind of economy mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. of uh, all the games are free, pretty much all mm-hmm. the top games are free, and then they rely on what affectionately referred to as whales to <laughs> pump money into <laughs> them. Do you imagine? I know it's still early days, but do you think Netflix is is looking at it as a way of, oh, so the games will be included as part of your subscription, but there'll be add-on things within them, or is it all going to be housed within the subscription? I think it's all going to be housed within the subscription. It's a question of preserving that integration uh, of experience in there. Uh, Netflix doesn't need to monetize people that way. It wants to bring people onto its platform, uh, and it wants to keep them there. And that's the, the power of what games could possibly do, is then keep people within your ecosystem. Even if they're not paying extra to play those games, they are still within your ecosystem. And that's the key thing is that you want them to be playing games on your platform uh, rather than other people's platforms. But games as a money spinner, I, I think that's not an issue for Netflix for, you know, for the foreseeable future. And how yeah. do you see this um, playing with the platform holders themselves? Because, you know, Xbox, Sony, they're happy to have a streaming app on there. But at the moment, we've seen this with the conflict between Apple and cloud streaming providers that they don't want people being able to access games through an app, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. If if Netflix suddenly becomes a gaming app, albeit a casual gaming app, do you think that, you know, that's going to get them on their on the back? I think they're going to want to keep things separated. If they're going to be running Netflix on a console, they're going to want to have the games 
aspect, I think, kept separate. In the same way, you've got Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime's allowed on consoles, but Amazon is a massive games company and has all these games capabilities, but you do not tunnel into them through Amazon Prime. And I think the same will hold true for Netflix as well. It's it's too big for the console makers to to you know to basically kick out, but they will expect there to be a, a kind of a non-competitive uh, aspect to it. That it, it's there to to serve up TV and movie content that allows gamers to to spend more time on their machines, and in return they get to spend more time in the Netflix ecosystem. Would you agree with that, George? I still think that there's going to be a lot of pushback <laughs> between the two companies. There's going to be like a battle, as you said, because I think Netflix will want to have all the experiences all in one place, just out of uh, user experience perspective. So, uh, and, you know, I think Netflix has got a lot of clout with these companies. It's clear that you could argue that Apple already you know, made some concessions to Netflix in the past with regards to the billing. It was one of the first companies to be allowed to have uh, subscribers go off the app and then subscribe you know, elsewhere and come back. So I think that, yeah, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to seeing that because as I said, you know, so far we've had these you know, relatively new services like Xbox Game Pass or Stadia try to put up a fight against uh, against Apple, for example, or even Google Google Play to an extent. Uh, but you could argue that because they have significantly much smaller user bases and less clout, you know, within the whole ecosystem, they haven't been able to push these push them enough. So I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, you know, if Netflix believes that they do, it is important that the gaming is part of the same app, they may actually push back and you know, say, no, actually, we do want the experience to be in the same app. So, yeah, uh, you know, we can only kind of speculate on this, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing kind of how it pans out. Well, it's interesting there that you mentioned uh, Amazon because they've recently launched their arguably the first major kind of Amazon branded game in New World. Uh, on PC and that's entire, I mean, Amazon is a much different company in that it's got so many different businesses within the Amazon umbrella um, that there's there's intersection between Amazon or between New World and Twitch within the, within the game itself, but it's been very kept separate from Prime Video as, you know, that, that's how we've expected Amazon to operate. And they're kind of going back to what I mentioned earlier about the kind of more traditional media companies where they're treating games as like a separate pillar. Whereas for Netflix, it's just all under the one roof. Yeah, for, yeah. for the time being, yeah. yes. I think the, the content <laughs> supports that a bit better. I think that something like New World is, uh, that's a very <laughs> large scale, uh, almost traditional MMO which uh, courts a certain type of player and I think does not integrate well with anything, <laughs> even, even just, you know, if you're thinking about converting that to a console, say, there's going to be a lot of questions around that. Converting that to a video platform, you know, it's, that's, that's just not on the cards until we, you know, until a lot changes, mm. uh, I think. The reason I mention this is because we, we, we mentioned earlier about the acquisition of Night School, and that's mm -hmm. a more traditional games developer. Although, you know, it's from, from the LucasArts school of the point-and-click adventure game, so it's a bit more, you mm -hmm. know, it doesn't rely on the Twitch responses and things like that, and it's a much more laid-back experience as a gamer. Night School is currently developing a sequel to Oxen Free that you mentioned earlier, which will be presumably, well, I mean, they're, they're owned by... Netflix, so it will be 
Netflix will be getting something out of that. So do, do we see any kind of integration there or do you think that's going to be published as an entirely separate entity and then from there they'll go on and, and do more things integrated within Netflix? I think that it's primarily going to be, or initially it's going to be its own thing, uh, Oxenfree, because the cache it has is, is you know, it's, it's multi-device Oxenfree. Oxenfree, it's just a, a tremendous experience, but it's everywhere. Um, and if you are looking to bring that onto the, to Netflix, I don't think it's going to be the game released exclusively onto the Netflix platform. Quite the opposite. And I think this is the start of a really important learning experience for Netflix because publishing games, working with developers, that's, oh man, that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's a, a very, very challenging skill to be able to adopt. And this is why Amazon, for example, has made big acquisitions in the past that are, and also big game launches that have struggled so much because it's not a company that has experience with it. I think it's very easy to be dismissive of PlayStation, Nintendo and Xbox as, as kind of old and dinosaurs because they run these consoles that have been around for 20, 30 years. Publishing games of that scale uh, takes a, a phenomenal amount of effort and skill and luck. And that's why Netflix can't just buy in a big developer and then, you know, have a chunk of games revenue happening on the side because it has to learn how to do this stuff. And that's that's a lot of trial and error. And that could be very expensive and also very involved and long process. George, you mentioned earlier about the cloud uh, gaming uh, services like Game Pass, like Stadia. How much are those in competition with Netflix? Those ones you you mentioned specifically, I don't think they are in direct competition. And uh, again, one of the predictions that I'm making for, for next year is that as Netflix dips its toes in cloud gaming, it will not directly rival those incumbents. And the reason for that is I do think that they are going after you know, a completely different gamer segment. Again, as Steve mentioned at the beginning, there is a significant overlap of uh, gamers who also like to watch Netflix, but then also game on their consoles or PCs. But uh, aside from that competition for time, which we know about and you know Netflix executive has been quoted about, I don't think there will be indirect competition with those services. However, there are these smaller cloud gaming services that I mentioned uh, earlier, you know, I'm testing out one service called Air Console, uh, there's another one called Antstream. So these are much smaller scale and they are focused on these kind of casual experiences. The experiences that I mentioned earlier with you know, like a family, you can get towards families, you know, everyone sits around one TV and then, and then hold their phones in their hands and play a game. I think they will be perhaps worried <laughs> they'll of course will have to make sure that they've got good, good enough content that they can kind of maintain their subscribers so yes netflix i think will be a competitor in the cloud gaming space but only to you know, uh, certain types of cloud game providers you've made a few predictions there about what's going to happen next year but if we look a bit further ahead you know 12 24 36 months ahead, do you think we will be looking at Netflix as a major name in the games industry alongside Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo? Or do you think it will still very much be primarily viewed as a streaming video provider that also operates in the game space? 
I would go with the latter. I would Netflix. Netflix's cachet on the streaming space is just so large, and for it to replicate that that kind of size or an equal size in games would mean it's essentially supplanting or replicating, uh, you know, something like a PlayStation or an Xbox or Nintendo, and it's a long, long way. Uh, away from that i think its acquisitions are going to be more exploratory rather than content generation conveyors like we was what happened with night school it's a, a chance to learn how to not just make games but integrate them into a video platform and maybe create those kind of transmedia experiences as they call them that the straddle the two and i think that the three years on the line we might see maybe an explosion in visual novels thanks to netflix which are a game genre which remained very niche but i think my, my kind of wild card bet would be that uh, either prime or netflix or somebody nails these and they find an audience of people who just love playing visual novels on their phone uh, and it gets a huge new audience across the entire world um and if it'll so, take so, one so, title to kind of kick off the genre a bit like how you know, a, a decade or so ago, the adventure game was dead, more or less, yeah. aside from a few niche things. And then The Walking Dead came along and yeah. then it completely exploded in space. And Telltale, yeah, it's just it's 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 going to take just the right visual novel to come along, maybe like some kind of crime procedural thing, something nobody's really tried before or just the right timing. Like, you know, how Squid Game has found such incredible momentum right now, just something that that, that, that catches fire. And, and do you think there'll off. be something which ties into existing IP or do you think they're going to try and create their own gaming IP? It's, I think that'll depend on the audience, wouldn't it? I think if you're looking to get, like, a, say, an older uh, audience of, of, of female viewers who like to watch uh, police dramas, for example, then you would be, I think you would tie that in with IP. It would be based on IP. What, what the big crime dramas, like CSI, <laughs> stuff like that? I, I, that's not my, my area <laughs> at all, I don't know. Um, but if you were looking... For a younger audience, I think some some kind of new IP could really work. Do you agree with the statement about Netflix in a couple of years, George? Yes, uh, I think it's not going to happen. You know, in two years or maybe even three years. If anything, we can see that Netflix is learning from others' mistakes. You know, it has looked at Google and Amazon with their approaches to this, and they realize, okay, not this. You know, this going with you know, guns blazing is doesn't work in games market this that's just not how it works and they know that they need to take it gradually and as steve suggested kind of test out different scenarios different uh, types of genres of games and everything else i think eventually you know and we'll be talking about like more than three years you know perhaps five years you know gradually i think netflix will increase its uh its role within the games world that's for sure but i think it's going to happen very gradually very sensibly and uh as steve said i think we should expect rather than just replicating everything that we have today in terms of gaming then bringing in something new to the market i think that that that's what i'm most kind of excited about So that's the show. Thank you very much to Omdia's Steve Bailey and George Gigiashvili, and thank you for listening. 
TV Watch is written, produced and mixed by me, Jonathan Easton, and Digital TV Europe's editor is Stuart Thompson. You can find me on Twitter at EastJohnEast or get in touch with me via email at jonathan.easton at informa.com. You can follow Digital TV Europe at Digital TV Europe on Twitter and at digitaltveurope.com where you can sign up for our daily newsletter that will keep you up to speed on all the latest goings on in the industry. And if you're new to the show and would like to be informed when the latest episodes are released, you can subscribe to TV Watch on your preferred podcast platform of choice, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever. Thank you very much again for listening. Bye-bye.